Hello and welcome to the Data Journalism Podcast. My name is Simon Rogers. I'm a data journalist, speaker and teacher and data editor at Google. And my name is Alberto Cairo. I am a professor of visualization at the University of Miami, an infographics designer and also a journalist and a book author. We love using data to tell stories and the music you can hear is a sound of data made with two-tone, an app that turns data into tunes. It's also the sound of the census, US population transformed into musical notes. And this is the Data Journalism Podcast, the only podcast, as far as we know, and at least so far, that dissects the latest trends in data journalism around the world. In each episode, we will explore the latest in data journalism, and we will chat with some of the world's top data journalists. You will get to find out how they do what they do. So, subscribe to see how data is changing the world of journalism forever. Hey, Simon. Hey, Alberto. How are you doing? Doing all right. It's getting a little bit crazier down here in Florida with the pandemic, but yeah, and classes are about to begin. So <laughs> everything adds up. <laughs> it does. It does. And talking of which, we have um, some big news this week, which is uh, on Thursday, the publication of the redistricting parts of the U.S. Census. That sounds amazing. And who are our, our guests? So we have two of the experts on how to use the census on the show today. We've got Cheryl Phillips from Stanford and Joe Gamuska from the uh, Census Reporter Project, both of whom have forgotten more about how to report on the U.S. Census than we'll ever learn. They are also tool creators, and they yeah. are going to talk a little bit about those tools that they, they have helped design to uh, manage census data. So that sounds super exciting. Exactly. I mean, the census is just so interesting because so much of the data that we deal with is really guesses, isn't it? It's estimates. It's estimates of the size of GDP or whatever. And the great thing about the census, this is an actual count. This is going out and counting people and working out how the population looks and how it's changing as a result. So tomorrow's going to be a big day, and uh, we wanted to have, have some people on who really know about it to talk through what to expect. All right. I cannot wait. Let's jump in. Hi, I'm Joe Dramoska. I'm the executive director of Northwestern University's Night Lab at the Middle School of Journalism. Hi, I'm Cheryl Phillips. Uh, I teach data journalism at Stanford University, and I'm director of Big Local News. Great to have you here, and thanks for joining. Um, first, let's just dive straight in with us what's happening this week. It's a big week on the census front. So uh, the long-awaited release of the redistricting data is coming out. So the decennial census was conducted during 2020. Of course, it was sort of thrown off the plan by the pandemic, among other things. But they are finally ready to release the data that is used to draw census uh, or to draw congressional boundaries. So it's a limited subset of the census data, and it is due out on Thursday, August 12th. And this is a little bit earlier, isn't it? We were we were expecting it on Monday, so. Yeah, the, as part of, there's been a lot of confusion because of the, you know, the pandemic and so on. And so the original date that was published was for this coming Monday. Uh, and then just last week, we got a little bit of a surprise when they moved it up. Thursday is the typical census release date, so it's not surprising in, in the aftermath, but it was it was not what I was expecting. <laughs> so tell us, what should we look out for this week? What's what's significant about this? Well, I mean, it, it it'll change the the map, right? Essentially, for for uh, for politics in in the United States and trying to track those shifts. It's really important. Uh, the census data as a whole, uh, it's you know we're going to see we're going to be able to. Take a look at the shifts in, in race and ethnicity down to the neighborhood level. 
um, which is really important to see uh, what's been happening in the United States. And, you know, we expect, you know, uh, uh, increasing growth in, in populations of color and, uh, you know, the white population shrinking. And so measuring that change and, and the impacts from it. All of us are educators in one sense or the other. Some of us work as professors. Some of us, us like Simon, work like part-time part instructors. So, and, and I know that a part of the audience is professors who teach this stuff. So are you planning to incorporate these new data in your classes? Are you planning to create projects around it? What types of ideas we can give professors and instructors to use these data in their classes? I think there's a lot of room for using this, this data in classes, just, just to be able to show the students how, how important demographics are to our country and to our local communities. You can use it in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and then we can also use it kind of like as a standalone, let's look at the shifts and we can use it in conjunction with other data sets to add context. And so both of those things are really important. So in terms of um, what we're going to see this week, I, I was looking on the census site. It says it's in the legacy format. Explain the bit to me about, about that. How does this data actually come? Is it going to be easily accessible? Or is it going to be one of those things which is a bit of a pain in the neck to deal with? Well, it's funny you should ask. In fact, this is really the motivation of the project that we call the 2020 Census Data Co-op. Um, the legacy format is uh, a number of data files that have all of the data available for a single state at a time uh, at every different geographic level from the census block all the way up to the state with many, many in between. Um, and it's in a, it's actually a little bit better than it used to be. Now, at least the geography details are in a normally delimited file. They used to be in fixed width files, which is sort of a bane for people who work mm -hmm. with this data. Um, and so, again, a big part of the reason we did this project was to make that easier. Um, so I guess we should explain the co-op uh, yeah. broadly. It's a, it's a number of different parties that all sort of came at this with the understanding that uh, the work that we do with census data all sort of starts in the same place. And so if we could do some of that work once and share the next step process with people, they could all do a lot more faster. So my entree into working with census data actually started with the 2010 decennial census. When I worked on a project like this uh, that IRE sponsored, investigative reporters and editors, um, mine was on the main census data release. They also organized a project that um, I think it was Paul Overberg and Anthony DeBarros worked on uh, to do something like what we're doing with the redistricting data, uh, but they released it, I think, as CSV files. And so um, we started talking, I was talking with uh, people at the AP, and then we got connected with Big Local, uh, who had also been having conversations, and we wanted to see how we could help do the 2020 edition of making this data basically easier for people to use, and so that's how we got where we are. Yeah, it's, uh, dive into that a little bit more for us, like explain how is it easier to use? Well. <laughs> Let me jump in for a sec because I can also, uh, I think one of the things that will make it easier to use is, is the fact that we're going to make it available as CSV files on the Big Local News platform. So just quick and easy download or open it up in data sets and analyze it in SQL right there in the browser. And, and then I know Joe has a lot of things planned uh, for it as well. Um, and, and just as an aside, uh, actually I worked with Paul Overberg back in the 2000, for the 2000 census. So this will be my third census go round. And I just felt like, I don't know, I think I'm addicted to census releases because I couldn't stay out of it. 
we all get addicted to data in one sense or the other. So you you both mentioned the term people. People are going to use this thing. People are going to use the thing. Who are those people? Are we talking about, you know, uh, people who specialize in the use of data in newsrooms or are we aiming for like a larger audience within within newsrooms or general citizens? So it's just a general question. Who are those people? And the second question is, if those people are a specialized niche, how do we broaden the scope? How do we bring more people in other than making new tools? Can we do outreach related to that? So uh, we, Census Reporter specifically, and Big Local News, as best I can speak for it, were designed for journalists. Um, but the reality is, especially with Census Reporter, we see that it's used by much more than just journalists. In fact, our, we have a little support system, and I get support questions from small businesses, from U.S. government officials. Lots of people besides journalists use it. And I think that's just because journalists are... Um, often motivated generalists, not uh, extremely specialized in the different data. And so a tool that works for them works for just about anyone. So um, when we had to make certain design decisions, we thought about journalists first, but that doesn't cut out a lot of people from using the tools. That's right. And and um, the, the big local news platform just requires a, a Gmail to sign in. Um, if journalists want to keep projects private, which often they do because they're working on something that's competitive, you know, they can. But this is an open project. Anybody can access it, download it, open it uh, and analyze it. So uh, and we'll have tutorials, you know, and we're actually a key thing we should mention is the webinar that uh, Pointer has been has put out where to train journalists on how to use it. But that webinar, you know, is something that other folks could access to, I believe. So imagine you are a uh, local reporter, and this is your first ever census. You, you know, you've never, you haven't gone through that uh, through this this particular ride before. What kinds of stories um, do you would you want to look at? What kinds of stories would be entertaining and interesting? Do you think for for a first time reporter to dive into? And I have a, I have a related question to that. Uh, both of you are seasoned. Uh, reporters, developers, data journalists, what type of mistakes you have made in the past that you would like people to warn against not to make? How to avoid those mistakes? What are the most common types of mistakes that people make when working with uh, census data? Who's going first, me or you, Joe? <laughs> I defer to you. Um, well, I'll start with the, like what kinds of stories. Um, when I worked at the Seattle Times, one of the things that happened was we would process the data and, and we would have already an entire budget of stories, a list of stories with descriptions of possible things to explore, depending on what happened uh, for, for multiple reporters in the newsroom. And it, it's, you know, any kind of uh, area of coverage can, can benefit from, from the census data. So you can look at changes in, in demographics as they relate to schools. You can look at um, what's happening again at the political level with the redistricting and the and the political that are likely to come from these shifts, um, and and then you can add census data into all kinds of other data sets to add context. We just did that recently with the enrollment data for uh, school enrollment data, which we just released. So um, at being able to to calculate rates and and look at the representation in the community compared to what's happening. In, in other areas. So I think there's, if you have to just think about what the stories are that you would like to cover, right? And and um, go for the story uh, uh, first. And, and you'll, you know, the data will, will help you figure out what's really happening with that. 
One thing that's important to know is that the redistricting, the redistricting data is relatively limited. Um, you know, Census Reporter was actually created to work with the American Community Survey, which is a different census program that covers much broader spectrum of answers. Um, but the decennial census itself only asks questions about age, race, sex, uh, housing situation, um, and some family relationships. And the redistricting data that's coming out this week is really limited to six files. There's two versions of files about uh, race. Um, one that is the entire population by race down to because the Census Bureau allows people to specify up to six different races. Um, there's 71 columns in the main table. And so there's a version for race up to six different races, which is a very small percentage. And there's a version of that for people who are 18 and over because of redistricting being around voting. And then there's tables that are almost exactly the same as those, but they also add Hispanic or not Hispanic. Um, not even different racial representations among Hispanic or Latino, simply, are you Hispanic or Latino? Or if not, what races are you? Um, and that's another 73 columns, once for all people and once for people over 18. Then there's one about housing uh, occupancy, which basically says how many housing units are there and are they vacant or occupied? And then there's one that's new in 2020 that is uh, some detailed information about group quarters, which is basically situations where people live not in homes with mostly related people, but rather in dormitories, barracks, uh, institutions of all kinds. And that's a new table this year. So there's only so much that you can do with that, but those those basic numbers are important to a lot of people. And the um, Census Bureau broadly has these cut up into many different geographies, congressional districts, current districts, uh, school districts, and so on. Um, I, I can't remember for sure which geographies are covered in the AP big local news uh, data set. Census tract. We go down to the census tract level and it'll be CSV files. Um, one thing about that racial demographic data, which I think is critical, is that measuring the decline of white population is a really important story right now. If you know, it's possible that, that the decline is much faster than expected. And so that's one thing to, to take a look at. Um, in terms of errors, like uh, I think the census data uh, is just you just have to be precise, right? You have to know what every field means and and count it accordingly. And and keep in mind that 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 Hispanic field is a is an ethnicity and it's not a race. And and that's that's one thing that trips a lot of people up. Certainly has tripped me up in the past. So 2020 was obviously a, a bonkers news year, and it feels like there were there were at least two things which really must have affected the census. One of which, obviously, the pandemic, and um, the other of which was the uh, the previous administration's um, desire to record immigration status. I believe in in, in census of the stories about that, even though the the courts the courts ruled against them. So, how do you think those two things will have affected how the results look this year? Well, I've seen some early headlines that suggest that uh, response rates beyond the basic response to the survey are lower in several areas. I believe basically what it means is that people sent back the survey but didn't answer some of the questions, um, which is possibly a consequence of people having suspicion of the census, which might have been ginned up by um, by people who just have been promoting a sus suspicion of government generally. Um, but I think... Uh, Overall, the response rate for the decennial census was not that bad, but the specific question response rate has had some problems. And I know the American Community Survey, uh, which of course is not due until December, is actually um, quite up, 
has gone through some serious upheaval. They're actually not going to release the normal one-year ACS release because of data quality problems. Um, and they're still sort of working out whether or not the data that was collected during the pandemic is suitable for the five-year release, which is another piece of the American Community Survey. Um, so we're all watching that closely. So on Thursday, where should people go to to um, get your kind of analysis and help here with the data? You can go to biglocalnews.org and there'll be an open project called the Census uh, Co-op in the in the platform. They can just download the data or open it up in Dataset. And so for Census Reporter, our, so I didn't actually explain this. Maybe I should take a moment. So the tool that we're providing is a tool to allow people to easily aggregate census data for custom geographies that aren't included in the census. So a common thing for local journalists to want to do is to be able to talk about population changes in their neighborhoods, um, which in theory people can do by looking at census tracts, but it's kind of a, a problem to find the census tracts and add them all up. So the tool that we've built will allow people who have a GIS map in shapefile or geojson format to upload upload that map, and then we'll do the sort of computation to assign census blocks to the different geographies in your uploaded map. And then we'll be able to add up uh, both the 2020 data and the 2010 data. So you can download um, the uh, a combined file that has the statistics for both years, as well as the percent change already computed and aligned to the maps that you have in CSV and maps. Um, so we're serving that from censusreporter.org 2020, or you can just go to the top page and there'll be a link. And that kind of tool that's critical, right? Yeah, this is this is so this is such a useful tool, and it's such, it sounds yeah. it sounds incredible. I mean, it's like there, there, it reminds me of that old uh, mantra from Arthur C. Clarke, the the science fiction <laughs> writer. Then <laughs> modern technology is sometimes indistinguishable from magic. And that, that sounds like magic to me. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's it's been a sort of a dream project for a long time. And I've been I've been looking at it mostly in the context of the ACS, where for technical reasons it's rather more complicated. And the decennial census is a great opportunity to try it because the blocks are smaller and sort of it works out better. Um, and it's 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 a little slower than I wish, but I don't think it's an unbearably slow. Um, and it's really exciting to have it started. I also think it might sort of give us some paths to think about extending it to the community survey so it's been really fun to build and i hope people will find it useful great joe and cheryl thank you so much for joining us it's you been bet. a pleasure thank you both <laughs>